everybody, and welcome to Neo Kobe Pizza, the only video gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B, and joining me today is one of my fellow co-hosts from the GVN Live podcast, uh, Mr. Gamer Keith. How you doing today, sir? Hey, how's it going, Mark? Uh, it's going pretty awesome, I have to say. It, uh, I just got done with uh, my vacation. I was uh, I was on a boat, and I got to go to like, little key islands, and that was a lot of fun. So I'm like feeling like really relaxed and like ready to get back to like work and then get into like the gaming and everything along those lines because like i didn't game while i was on vacation i just played pokemon go which i don't even want to talk about right now but <laughs> yeah it's different podcast we already did that one yeah it, exactly it's like i don't want to talk about it no so but while you were on your while you were on your cruise did you do the lonely island golf topping i'm on a boat no, no. If anything, it was a get. It what I went to Key West is what I did. So I was just like literally. We my um, my friend's uncle has a boat, and he like drove us out into the ocean and took us to like one of the little like smaller keys off of uh, Key West, which was really really cool. Like one of those lifetime like experiences sort of thing. That's cool. Yeah. So now we were actually planning out this discussion just before you left. So, in terms of the initial starting subject, a little dated, but not too much, what had brought this to light was the discussion that we had been having about the day one patch that had come out for No Man's Sky. Yes. Now, for those who haven't been paying attention to No Man's Sky, God bless you, but also <laughs> that the, the everything surrounding that game is just a shit show. Let's just call it what it is and move on. Right before the game was released, a bunch of people broke Street Date, got the games, whether they were game reviewers or just fans, and were playing around with it, and the development house, Hello Games, announced that the game that they were playing was going to, in a lot of respects, be dramatically different from the game that was going to be available to people on Day 1 launch due to a Day 1 patch which at this point is described to be around 824 megabytes, though when I have been updating the game since then, it's probably closer to multiple gigs by now. Oh yeah, by by far, by far, if anything. It's funny that we're actually talking about No Man's Sky, and I'm actually introducing my friend to No Man's Sky right now. He's actually playing in the background, which is pretty funny. But anyway, is that it's been definitely a couple of gigs at least, because this is on point... Zero five right now, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if that's true because when I updated it a day or two ago, it was at one point zero five. But for all I know, they could be up to one point two zero by now. Uh, they I update the no damn idea. thing practically every day. <laughs> and if you go and you look, all of them say the same thing. If you just look to like get an idea as to what it is, it just says bug fixes. Gee, thanks, Sean. That tells me a lot. Well, if anything, yeah, definitely, as far as that's concerned. But the thing is, like, I have it on PlayStation 4, I don't have it on the PC, and now I'm, like, kicking myself in the ass that I didn't get it on PC because it looks a little bit better on PC, I have to say. it With the different mods that they're putting out for it, really, really cool, I have to say. But um, what it is is that... Uh, it always crashes on me. It always crashes on me for whatever reason. Like, I'll be, like, just starting up the game, and it crashes right off the get-go. I was, like, pissed. That happened on day one. I was like, is this what this game is really going to do? I, I don't want to return this game. Like, I'll be like, this game fucking broken, you know? Yeah, and it's it's the problem is, is that the game still is not fixed crash-wise. A lot of people are still reporting crash bugs, even after the multiple updates, even after the day one patch and everything else. 
And the day one patch, by all indications, was meant to change a lot of the functionality and improve certain things within the confines of how the game worked. And we're four updates in on top of that day one patch, and it's still having these issues. And it's a lot of these day one patches are being released for a lot of games at this point. No Man's Sky is by no means exclusive in that club. There are as many games as there are day one patches coming out on a month-to-month basis in a lot of cases. Oh yes, by far, by far. They're not the first and they are definitely not the last. And that's where really I wanted to bring it more up of in this discussion is like, because that's where really the whole boiling point for this game is going over is they're, they're making it seem like, oh, this is the first game that's doing it. No, not in the thousands of games have been doing, or not thousands. I'm sorry, that's a little over dramatic, but no, I would, I would honestly agree with that assessment. A thousand or more games have probably had day one patches at this point, because this has been going on since the beginning of the seventh console generation. Yes, and we're midway into the eighth, and it's just ridiculous. So that's where it was kind of like, and then I'm like reading some of these excuses, or not excuses, but some of these points and it's just like these are ridiculous how do you come up with this like i understand a lot of it i understand from a lot of the different aspects of it such as that if you are a a developer and you have that some of the like the first development kits because they're like we don't know what this system will really do at this point here's the first development kit here make a damn game and then give it to a developer, I can understand, like, okay, maybe they're a little bit behind as far as that's concerned, but with a game of this caliber that you go to E3 and it, like, wins game of show and, like, blows a lot of people away, blew me away, I don't know about you, Mark, did it, when you first saw it, did you, like, get any of that impression on it? Like, oh, wow, I have to get this game. No. Oh, fair enough. Like, this is, this is the thing, is... I thought the game was beautiful, I thought it was visually attractive, but I read about what it was going to do and how it was going to work, and I took the more logical stance of, okay, what I do know about it tells me that it's probably going to be Spore in space, and what I don't know about it is extensive. I should probably know stuff before I definitively get excited. And the problem was... If you watched all of the interviews leading up to it, and you watched all of the discussions leading up to it, a cult of personality sort of formed around the game because nobody knew anything about it. And when people started asking questions about it, they were told that they were assholes, they were called pieces of shit, they were threatened, they were thrown under the proverbial bus. I, at one point, watched a video interview, which I believe was from Game Trailers, which is now Easy Allies, but I can't say for certain, where one of the people was consistently asking questions that were completely valid and reasonable questions, and everybody else there had drunk the Kool-Aid and was like, fuck you, dude, I don't want to know, I don't want to know, I don't want to know. And at the end of the day, we got a fucking Art Dink game, and everybody's mad. And I'm like, no, that's that's kind of what I figured this was going to be, actually, and I'm okay with it. I understand why you're mad. You thought that it was Jesus Christ coming down from the mountain with like a cask of wine and some fish <laughs> saying, come on, guys, let's party. And no, it, it's a fucking Art Dink game. It's it's Tale of the Sun. It's Aquanauts Holiday. It's uh, a doofy little game where you do some doofy stuff, and that's it. It's, it's, it's about the experience. And people, there are a lot of people who were just like, no, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. And I'm like, well, 
you built that in your mind. You chose to buy into the fact that there was no hype, ascribe value where it wasn't there, and create this game in your head that didn't exist. That's on you. But the, the game itself is more or less what I thought it was going to be, an art game. And that's fine, but it, it's clearly not what a lot of people expected. Well, yeah, uh, definitely people got the wrong impression on it. I mean, I took at a face value of that. Okay, like, if anything, I was being so cheesy. I was thinking of, like, in Grandma's Boy, where they were like, oh, well, if you change the uh, the elves on this one stage from green to yellow, that, you know, that'll save us, like, millions of dollars. And I'm expecting, like, okay, that's all they're going to do. It's going to be multiple zillions of worlds, and it's just going to be the same animal over and over again, and that eventually it's just going to be a different color. Um, that's how it, I was like, wow, that's how it's going to be in my mind. But I took it at face value of this is going to be a cool game regardless, because I like this exploration. I like the space combat aspect. I like a lot of different things. It really just, it grabbed my attention was the whole thing. And especially since it was supposed to be an indie developer, I love indie developers. Indie developers are definitely by far, um, far superior than any of these A-class like like EA people or any of these top studios nowadays because they have these great ideas and they kind of don't have a lot of boundaries and they kind of think outside the box on certain things and they're actual gamers. So I think that's pretty cool in my my opinion. No, I like I said, it's it's I like both, honestly, so I'm not I can't really speak to the idea of liking one over the other. You know, I like AAA games because they generally tend in a lot of respects to provide more baseline basic experiences that are easy for me to jump into experience and get out of. I like indie developers because they can generally try to apply new ideas that will someday be incorporated into all games. Exactly. And they tend, they tend to ask a lot of questions about the state of play and how mechanics work and things of that nature, all of which is cool. But by the alternative comparison, AAA developers are also trying to release the least amount of game possible in a lot of cases for the most amount of money and are often including things like microtransactions and whatnot. This is not all of them, but it's often enough that it, it, it's definitely a stereotype that, that has value. Whereas indie developers, as often as not, are pretentious dickwads. So it's, it's kind of a hit or miss perspective no matter where you go. And I tend to be of the mind that I'm okay with both. But getting back to the topic at hand, like the day one patch and everything associated, yes. I guess I guess the big question is, why does this happen in general? What's creating this? What is causing the situation? And the reason that we started having this conversation and decided to make it into a podcast recording was because somebody actually took the time to try to explain that a bit. Uh, Mr. Rame Ismael wrote on his blog, uh, rameismael.com, Patch the Process is the name of the article. A extensive but very vague on purpose discussion about how console certification works or doesn't work, as the case may be. And he, he put forward a lot of interesting ideas that I've kind of boiled down to the base so that we can discuss them. All right. His explanation here was that the certification process for consoles is... Generally obscene and draconian, it includes having to book slots to certify constantly to find out what's wrong that must be fixed before you can publish it. Having to book slots immediately to ensure that they can be booked at all, because if you don't book the first time you see an open slot, that slot will be long gone by the time that you're ready. 
poor documentation for what is wrong, which leads to trial and error fixes that if they do resolve the problem, you don't know how they did it. Builds often being submitted constantly to try and meet launch dates, which are set in stone well in advance. And then once that build passes certification, all that means is that the game works. Not that it works as intended, or that all the features are in, or whatever. It just means the game works to the minimum specifications that the certification board requires, which are often completely different from the game actually working in the way that it's expected to. But by some act of God, even if your gold version is the final version, everything works, it's great, it's done, it's all set up, you're going to be certifying this one to three months before it's ready for launch because you can't guarantee that something's not going to trip a flag, you're not going to have to go in and fix it, and you're not going to have to bring it out and push back the release date. So if you have all that time, devs want to work on games up to the day of launch, and why not do that if you can? Basically, his argument is... If they attempted to certify a game when the game was done, it means they can't guarantee a release date until very, very close to the day of release, and it often means fluctuating release dates. And we see what happens when you have fluctuating release dates. People threaten your fucking life. People threaten the lives of the journalists who announced that it might happen. People lose their goddamn minds. I don't know how the hell that happened in society, like, in all honesty. What the hell? Yeah, and it's... it's The problem is, is that way back in the 8 and the 16-bit you know, the third, fourth, even the fifth console generations, you only had, you know, half a quarter of the amount of games that are coming out these days from people that need to be certified. They were easily tested on technology that at that point was relatively up to date. And it was fairly simple to get something tested and certified, especially since release dates were a lot less stringent and were a lot less heavily monitored by gamers. Like, if you go on GameFAQs now and you look up release dates from games from the third, fourth, and sometimes even the fifth console cycle, they're just like, sometime in this month of this year. We don't fucking know when, exactly. Because there were no hard and fast release dates for games. These days, all of the stuff that they use for these hardware certifications is built on top of frameworks made up of old broken shit, that no longer works the way that was intended, and with the larger volumes of games that are coming out that need to be certified and pushed, it's it's a fucking nightmare to certify your stuff anymore. This this is my whole thing as far as that's concerned, is that that with the developers, that you telling me, in all honesty, that you are with, this, with the console that I have, with the PlayStation 4, I have that since launch, that you haven't made any sort of updates whatsoever to any of your development kits. Now, I can understand from the developer standpoint that, yes, they are under a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to be in demand for these games. And like you said, is that even on the day that it's gold, that it's like, okay, this is set to go as far as that's concerned. Why not work on it? I can understand all that. But some of the excuses, they're like, oh, we're not up to date with the frameworks. Like you said, it's all like, that's fucking bullshit. Just for the simple fact of that, you are developing a A-class game that has grabbed all this attention, that's grabbed all of the world at E3, and you're telling me that you're developing it on older software and older hardware? Come on now. that, that that's I draw the line on that one. Well, it's, the problem is, it isn't that the developers are developing on older hardware and software. It's the people who are putting these certification tests into play are testing the shit on old broken frameworks. So the developers are probably developing with new kits, but they're being put through a process that utilizes old broken busted shit 
And it's not their fault because they don't have any input into it. It's the people doing the certification who are testing on frameworks built out of old, broken, busted shit. Well, and even that, you're telling me that if you're going to release any sort of newer game, I mean, any any game for that matter, when we looked at uh, God of War on at E3 again, you're telling me that you're developing, that all oh, this is being tested on older stuff? Like, why would you do that? Like, any company, why would you do that for that matter? Like, I think that would be the topper priority. When you upgrade your systems, you would have to upgrade it on that end as well. Would Why not? Because sometimes it's not cost effective. I'll give you an example. The company that I work for, we have top of the line systems that are all utilized to process information, process data, process activities, things of that nature that are all built around relatively state of the art software. And they all feed into a shitty AS400 mainframe that's simulated that has been around since the goddamn 1980s. And the reason why you do that is because literally everything that you have is built around this shitty AS400 mainframe or whatever, and it has to be parsed through that. You can't get rid of the mainframe because everything runs off of some degree of mainframe, and even if you're trying to work around it otherwise, something somewhere is running off of a mainframe that can't be disconnected. With Sony and Microsoft, these are companies that have existed since like the 1970s, the 1960s, the 1980s, whatever, and they have ancient stuff in place that you just can't remove, you can't take out, you can't change, because if you do, it's going to break a hundred other processes and it would cost millions, if not billions of dollars to overhaul all of it. So it's you get into a situation where eventually something in your process is going to be ancient and draconian because it has to be. I mean, it, it's if these companies were relatively new, they'd probably still have to use some type of baseline mainframe system in order to be able to maintain certain things. It would be a lot cleaner. But as time goes on and more and more things pile up and you buy more companies that have their own framework and you have to build in pipes to their framework and everything else, shit gets cluttered and fucked up. And you can't clean it all up without completely reformatting and starting over, which is often more expensive than the actual net worth of most companies. Okay, well, that's, that's a very good argument for that one. Okay, so I'll back off as far as that one's concerned. But definitely one thing that the video game companies have to change, though, is definitely, like you said, is putting the pressure on these developers. Definitely, definitely. I mean, because they're pretty much, they have these grand ideas. They want to make these different things that are coming out, and they want to make it look good for that matter. And I'm not just talking about, like, visually. I'm just talking about just that it freaking works and that there is no issues like crashes and stuff like that. And to put the pressure onto them for that. And then even if they're going knowing going into this that it's going to go to this ancient framework system, why won't you take that more into account so that way you're not making something that looks over-over-realistic? I mean, I guess what I'm looking for is that Make something that's going to have realism to it as far as like, okay, realistically, this is what this game is going to be. Try not to overhype it. And that's what are, a lot of people are getting upset with that as far as that's concerned. But I don't think that most of these developers are promising too much, but they're kind of making, they're not really developing it fat or de developing it fast enough to get it to this point. I guess they should be, but that uh, these developers are pretty much under the strict time limits and that they can do it to the way that they want to do it, but with these companies just constantly like, putting it down, putting it down, putting it down, that they don't have the time to breathe on this. Like, No Man's Sky is a perfect example of a game that should have been 
like what Sony did with was it Day Z or Day One or whatever the hell Day it was? Day Z. Yeah, it was Day Z. That it was an open beta, effectively, is what it was. And then you got to pay to go into it. And then once the final product is coming out, you know, you have the game and then you pay whatever extra for whatever add on, so on and so forth. Now, I don't need those microtransactions like you were saying previously, like that, but that's where Sony was cashing in on most of that because that was an MMO style. But this game should have been just like um, Star Citizens, anything along those lines. I think that's what should have happened with this particular game because again they could enter this game the no man's sky could have been fucking fantastic had it not been that it was, i think it was released too early it was definitely released too early and that's that's certainly a problem and I, i'll come back to that in a bit but it's for a game like no man's sky as a 60 dollars release you know how can you justify that kind of release because if you try to release that as an on-disc property you run into the street fighter 5 effect where people are buying a $60 disc for a $30 game and are then being told, well, in a year, it's going to be a $60 game and they're going to lose their shit. Or you release it exclusively digitally and you run into the problem of who in the console market is going to pay $60 for a digital download because a lot of people do not want to do that. They want a physical copy. They want to have it. And if you're not going to have that game done for a year, they're going to wait that year. It's easier for them to push the game out in whatever state they believe to be final at $60 and hope for the best, especially because the current console market allows for that kind of thing. Back during the PlayStation 2 and Xbox eras, and even before that, going all the way back to the third, second, first console generation, you didn't have the option to patch a game. If it was broken when you put it out into the world, that's on you. You fucked up. Starting from the seventh console generation, Game companies, or rather console companies, allowed for the ability to push updates via their internet services, PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. And suddenly, developers found, well, if something's broken, we can patch it. Shit, we don't have to push this game in a 100% complete state, because we can push this game in whatever state that it's in, and then fix it somewhere down the line. Now, you're not going to get that genie back in the bottle, but that's a big problem that a lot of developers and publishers have run into where that's permissible, so they kind of lean on that a little bit. So, in other words, it's just boiling down to just laziness at this juncture. Or not so much laziness, but pretty much is that you're pushing them, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's all right then. Well, here's the thing. coming, like Bringing that concept back that you had mentioned earlier, I will give... Mr. Ismael, the benefit of the doubt, and I will assume that every single game that he has been involved in from the beginning of his career all the way up until this moment in time has been a case of, as he described it using his own words, quote, day one patches are simply a patch to a submission system that's old and convoluted. I will assume that he is completely acting in good faith, that he's stating that is accurate, and that it's 100% true for all of the games that he's worked on. But, the problem is, is that if you apply that concept as a good faith argument to every single game that has ever needed a day one patch, it's bullshit. It's oh, demonstrably absolutely. false. Absolutely. It is, yeah, it is demonstrably false. It is untrue. And we know it's untrue. Just going by the shit that I can recall that was broken in the year 2014, which ended up causing us at Die Hard Game Fan to put the worst thing of the year as broken games. Assassin's Creed Unity, 
Yes. Barely fucking worked when it was launched. You had instances where people were just rendering as eyes, hair, and teeth. Online would cause people to fall out of the environment. It was broken. It was busted. It sucked. It needed multiple patches to work. Many games were shipped with broken individual components in addition to Assassin's Creed Unity, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Dragon Age Inquisition, Drive Club, and that's just what came out in 2014. And that doesn't even apply to just these console games. People who buy PC games on Steam are finding out that stuff that comes out of AAA developers is launching broken. Batman. Batman Arkham is the grandest of the uh, the decisions, on, or not uh, arguments on that one. That game was horrible on PC. Horrible. Oh, yeah. Batman Arkham Knight was terrible. It was the drizzling shits. You could expand that if you really want to, to say any Warner Brothers game that comes out on the PC as Mortal Kombat X was broken as fuck, and they never bothered to fix that. But, I mean, on top of that, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, a lot of people are reporting has PC issues when they're purchasing it. No Man's Sky also had multiple issues on PC when launched. On top of the issues that it had for the PS4, there are also major frame rate drops. And I saw videos of this where people were running frame rate checks, and it would go from 30 FPS to 7. Wow. That's a yeah. hell of a drop. Yeah, to assume that developers are wholly altruistic in this situation... To put it in the bluntest terms I can is shit. It's completely wrong. Fundamentally wrong, factually wrong, objectively wrong. Ismael and his ilk are able to justify the situation because they're a part of it, and maybe in their games it works that way, but in a lot of games it just doesn't. And it doesn't excuse the reality that many developers just throw shit out the door before it's had time to take a dump, so it ends up shitting all over the player. Oh, definitely, by far, because they, they're, if anything, I blame mostly these, uh, not so much of the developers, but I definitely blame the studios that are pushing these developers to get them out so much that they're pretty much, they are making shit, but it is inexcusable, by far, it is definitely inexcusable, like, how could you, at the end of the day, say, oh, I put that, my name on that game, like you said, Assassin's Creed was horrid for that, Batman was horrible for that, and especially in the console generations that we are in, there should be no excuse for it. And like you said, probably also developers got really, really laxed and very lazy, and they said, oh, well, shit, we could just make this game, push it out, and then all of a sudden we could just fix it where we can. Not necessarily putting into effect that they're like, oh, well, it's because of this. They're just coming up with excuses now is effectively what's going on. Right, and as I said, I'm not going to say that everybody is in that boat. There are a lot of developers oh, no. who do their damnedest to make sure that their games are functional at launch. And as as Ismail pointed out, there are things that change that they don't have any control over that can inadvertently fuck up the process in ways that they didn't even begin to anticipate. For example, firmware changes in a console could potentially fuck up a game, and this was also not a thing that started happening until the seventh console generation if microsoft changes something in their kernel or changes something in their gui before a game is launched that negatively impacts how the game works that's not on the developer unfortunately that's on microsoft pushing something out while the game was in development that directly conflicts with the game and to be fair those things do to a certain extent get addressed in the certification process but it's not like the developer has precog shit going on where they know what 
the the GUI or the kernel are going to do at that point and how it could negatively impact their game. The same goes with Sony. The same goes with Nintendo. There's going to be a certain amount of stuff is changed in the actual front end that negatively impacts how the game operates and is causing crashing because it's taking up resource assignments that the developer doesn't know about or it's changing the way certain things work so that when the game is trying to do certain things, it's executing a call that's bad or whatever. It's Everything is a lot more fluid now, and it is kind of, in part, hurting these developers. So to a certain extent, I will nod and say, all right, somebody in you know the position where their development house did the best they very could, the very best they could, excuse me, to try and get their game out there in an intact format in the way that it needs to be and ended up being screwed over by providence or a change in the you know the system or whatever that group that company that person whatever is getting screwed and it's not really their fault but that's not going to be 100 or 90 or even 50% of the games being released even if you assume it's 50% there's a certain point where the system is not changing it's just a developer who isn't putting that effort in. And to be fair, the Warner Brothers situation is they handed off converting the games to a company that was not reliable, who did not put in the due diligence, and just crapped out a game and said, we're done. And, you know, I'm sorry if that company is like, well, we did the best we could. It wasn't good enough. If you weren't given enough money, that's, you know, unfortunately, that's on you for asking for a lowball number and letting the game fall apart. If Warner Brothers didn't want to give you enough money, walk away from the project. It's not worth it. But at the end of the day, there's a certain point where a lot of these developers are just pushing stuff out in a condition that is not fit for consumption. And somebody somewhere in the process knows that that's true and decides, well, a patch will fix it. And then a patch doesn't fix it for days or weeks or months in some cases. And while it's hard to know who to blame, you know if your game isn't ready to be released and it's not going to be ready to be released. You know that. Don't release it. That's the whole thing. If anything, I would be less offended if somebody says, oh, it keeps on getting pushed back. And you know who's the king of doing that? And you know who has not released a bad game? Or I can't say they've released a bad game is Blizzard. Blizzard can be like, oh, we're coming up. Like, look at World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft is probably one of the better examples for this, is that they kept on saying, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's it's like winter. It's coming. It's coming. And then it finally came, and then it blew the socks off of everybody because they knew they weren't going to release a incomplete game for that. But these de- these other studios are pretty much like telling them, again, here's the hammer. Like, keep on just weighing at it. Then it sounds like pretty much... The developers are kind of caught in between it. Absolutely, there's a lot of different situations. Like you said, that you don't know how certain things will interact with different things as well. That sometimes you may have this one little change, and then all of a sudden that changes everything on your game. And that's where these patches are really great for that. Just because it's like, oh, damn, we didn't foresee that happening. Well, okay, we better go in and fix that. But like you said also is that these they're all a lot of them are going in blindly saying like, okay, this game is just complete and utter crap, but here it is. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's gotta stop. Yeah, and it's hard to know who to blame in any given situation. Like, for example, 
uh, the release of Mighty Number no. 9. That game got pushed back multiple times to the tune of multiple years, and it still came out in a substandard state. I don't necessarily think that it was buggy, but it was, it was clearly substandard. It was clearly not what anybody wanted or expected, and it was clearly not worth the money that people had invested into it from their own perception. You know, do we do we say, well, it was good that they pushed it back to get it out in this case, or do we say, well, this this thing is a piece of shit. If they had pushed it back this amount, I expect better work. Again, No Man's Sky got a two-month pushback right up at the point where it was about to be launched. And not only did the game come out in this condition, but the lead developer got multiple death threats for pushing that game back. And it's, do we blame him for not wanting to push it back again and getting another round of death threats out of it? Do we blame Sony for forcing them to get it pushed out at some point within a time window that was reasonable? Do we blame the company for overreaching on what their expectations were and not realizing that the game had crash bugs? You know, at, at what point do you definitively say, this falls onto this person, this falls onto that person? Like, I'm not going to lie. I blame Ubisoft for Assassin's Creed Unity. They didn't push that game back. They always knew when that game was coming out, and they gave themselves a relatively short development window to get that game out into the world. They knew what they were doing, and when they pushed that game out, they knew that it was in the condition that it was in and chose to push it out anyway. I have no sympathy for Ubisoft. I have no sympathy for what they went through. I have no sympathy for Bioware with the issues with Dragon Age Origins, because they could have pushed that game back. They chose not to, and that game had been set in stone for months. If you're a developer who announces a release date six months to a year in advance and is pushing for you know downloadable content and season passes and all this other shit, you know... At some point, this game is not going to come out in the ideal, optimal condition when that I, release date hits. Well, exactly. Is that they're they're setting unrealistic goals, but and then they're setting like they can do it, but they're not giving enough time to do it in that aspect. It's a little bit of ridiculous. And like you said, every situation is different for it. Ubisoft dug that grave, and it's because they want to keep on releasing a new Assassin's Creed every single year. It's a like, if honestly, I say it all the time, Assassin's Creed, that series needs to goddamn die already. Like, frickin' put a bullet in its head, it's done. Just just stop making them. Call of Duty is another one, even though in realism, it's never gonna stop because the people will continue buying it. And that's also what it boils down to as well as it boils down to on the gamer side. As it Onto the gamer side is that we keep on buying these games. We keep on buying them expecting that they're going to be good. And then, effectively, we then go apeshit. What we ha really have to do, if we want to make changes, stop buying those games is really, and stop getting our hopes up for them. Right. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's a lot easier to tell what the thought process was when games come to the PC, right? Because Steam does not have the certification process. Um, GOG does not have the certification process. Origin, if they have the certification process, they're probably not applying it to the games that are coming out of their internal developers. It's very much a case where if you see a game come out on the PC and it's more fucked up than a football bat, you know that whoever is involved in that didn't care. They pushed out the game because they had a release schedule to keep up with they knew it was going to have problems, or they should have known it was going to have problems, and they chose to push it out anyway. And going back to the point that you had made earlier, 
Yeah, maybe to a certain extent, releasing these games as a trial run as early access would resolve the issues with some of these games. But the exact moment that somebody like an Ubisoft or a Hello Games, which is being heavily helped out by Sony with their release or whatever, starts marketing this game as early access, but they're also being helped out or they directly are a major publisher, that's the moment where early access dies. If not on console, then on PC, definitely. Because the exact moment that big-name companies started getting involved in Kickstarter, that was the moment where people started saying, what the fuck, we don't want anything to do with this, that's not what this service is for. And if somebody like an Ubisoft or a Capcom or a Sega or a Sony or a Nintendo, well, not Nintendo because they don't release PC games, but you get the point. (laughs) If they start releasing early access stuff on Steam, people are going to lose their shit. So it's you're kind of in a situation where you don't necessarily have those tools available because everybody's going to call you an asshole and nobody's going to buy your game, and you're still kind of beholden to release dates to a certain extent. So do you push these games out and hope for the best, or do you actively try and hold them back until they're ready? Because we know certification processes don't apply, because we had a developer now tell us certification processes don't apply. You don't you don't have to worry about that day one patch because that game just comes out in whatever condition it's going to come out. If you push it back on Steam, you know Valve is just going to say okay, and they're going to push the release date back. It, it, it's not going to matter to them one way or the other. If they're hyping the game, the most they have to do is update the key art indicating that they're hyping the game. But it it doesn't impact the ability for the game to come out in whatever condition it's going to come out in. So if it comes out fucked up, who do you blame then, you know? If anything, I I would blame, I don't know. Again, like you said, is that every situation is different as far as that's concerned. On PC, like you said, PC, there's no certification for it. So I can see the point as far as that's concerned. But I would blame the developer on that one. Or I, I would be less offended if people actually said that we're just pushing this game back. Because if you think about it, if the bigger companies did that, I would be more in tune to actually buy those games. Now, with indie developers, that's a little bit differently because if you do, like you said, those Kickstarters, and that's where a lot of people, I I would be upset with Mighty Nine just for that reason alone because a lot of people backed it, a lot of people funded it, and a lot of people didn't want to wait, but also that was in that really odd time of like, this is where great power comes great responsibility sort of thing because like if this failed like the people are not going to be investing in good games or independent games really because these smaller studios can't meet these deadlines they can't do these certain things because they don't have the funding for it and it really really sucks for that so i follow it on them but also in that particular situation there was a lot going on because a lot of people were getting screwed on Kickstarter as well and this is where a lot of people probably thought oh we're getting screwed again so that particular instance i blame the uh, the, the developer but again with those with the bigger studios there's no no excuse whatsoever that they sh- can just say listen it's coming out 2017 don't have to give like to march 2017 you don't have to say oh, it's coming out March 9th, 2017, then that's where you're putting, again, more pressure on the developer to put stuff out, and then they're not testing it correctly, and then all of a sudden they're lying on, oh, shit, let's just uh, make a patch for it. Screw it. For it. 
So again, different situations really go for different, you know, different titles or different places. But again, I blame those on those particular things. Yeah, and it's it's. I guess the question that comes to my mind after all of this discussion about not really having a 100% clear-cut idea of who to blame, talking about different situations being a concern for different companies, the big question that comes to mind is, how do we fix it? Or perhaps more accurately, can we even fix it in the first place? Like, this isn't a Bob the Builder thing. It's like, you can't go absolutely because it's a lot more of, uh, I don't know. That is actually a really, really good question as far as that. Um, I would say this can be fixed, but I think it relies more on the gamers having a voice of that we will not stand for this anymore. We'd rather see either. But unfortunately, this is where you get to that crossroad of you can't have it both ways. You can't have it on this particular date or in this particular time frame realistically because they can't do it because there's always something that is changing, but also that if you can deal with a delay, that you can also say, man, that game could be amazing. So I'm not really sure if that can be really fixed. Yeah, because it's, it's, again, No Man's Sky is unfortunately a perfect example in the situation. They knew the game wasn't going to be ready in time for launch. They pushed it back. What happened? Death threats. Death threats to the journalist who hinted it. And nobody apologized when it was proved to be true, by the way, which is a, a common trend. Like, I just I just want to go to a convention that Jason Schreier is going to be at at some point. I just want to walk up to that man and I go, are you Jason Schreier? And he says yes, and I just want to hug that guy and just tell him, I'm sorry. For what? Everything. Because <laughs> that motherfucker just gets so much hate. And I get people hate Kotaku, but Jesus Christ, don't make individual people's lives miserable you know it's he's a fine dude he he reports on stuff to the best of his ability can we stop telling the guy to fucking die please i don't know but well you get these trolls on the internet and then they get these one things like you said i'm not a fan of kotaku i think that thing is a rag i mean in all honesty but that's a whole different story but to attack a particular person that's just messed up that's that's just simply, like, if you want change on that one, it's all like, just boycott the, the article or boycott the site. Stop going to it. Don't give them that power. Don't go to it and then freaking start sending death threats to some guy. That's messed up. Like, don't be an asshole sort of thing. Yeah, and it's it's the problem is anybody who reports on these as rumors or whatever gets death threats because it happened again with Final Fantasy fifteen. But all right, so No Man's Sky as the catalyst Journalist reports on game being delayed. Journalist gets death threats. Developer reports on game being delayed. Developer gets death threats. Fuck. Alright. So, the game is delayed X amount of time, and everybody loses their shit and calls the developer names and the journalist name for reporting it. Okay. Game is pushed out. What happens? Well, developer gets death threats, and people putting up, like, video clips indicating what was promised versus what was delivered with the the tagline apologize and just all of this other shit and it's that's bullshit yeah. that's complete bullshit i mean just because no game let's be honest people no game in the history of ever has ever lived up to the hype that you originally see it on any showroom floor you can even make that same argument with 
going back to the 8-bit era of like looking at the art on the game be like oh is this is this what the game's gonna look like like this looks awesome like it has a guy with a sword why am i not playing this game right now and then it's absolute and utter shit so you know what that's on gamers just have to be like realistic it's all like just be good people as far as that's concerned like you know it's not gonna look like this at the end this is all concept this is all Everybody wants to see the latest thing. And that's where E3 really sucks for developers because they have to produce this thing. They have to produce this this trailer, this this gameplay, this little engine just for E3, and then they can work on the actual game. So it sucks for them. I understand that. But you know what? We have to be realistic of expectations as well. Yeah, and it's it's this is not a new thing either. This is going all the way back years and years to, again second, third, fourth console generation cycle, to the point where we've been seeing it in advertisements, we've been seeing it in promos. The Final Fantasy VIII advertisement on television was all just cutscenes and didn't show you anything about the actual gameplay itself. Uh, Penny Arcade came up with a term for it when you get these screenshots that are concept art, and then you see the final screenshot and it's nowhere close. Bullshot, as they called it. (laughs) And it's... The thing is, is that everybody does it, and we can, as a whole, reject the idea of the bullshot, reject the idea of concept videos in terms of relating them to the final product, but the reality is, unless you're going to vote with your wallet, you need to stop thinking that this is legit. Like, those are your options. Vote with your wallet and don't buy a game on launch until you're sure that it is what you thought it was. Or actively go out of your way to protest the practice from jump. But you can't say, this game is definitely going to be this thing that I saw at a trailer at E3, because it looks great and I love it, and I can't wait. And then when it's not that thing, turn around and say, well, you lied to me. Well, yeah, they did, but so has literally everybody else for years. Yeah, really. I mean, like you said, literally everybody else from years for years. I mean, what I actually saw when I was at E3 in 2005, was it? And I saw the uh, the first gameplay for Gears of War. It was like I actually got into like the little studio or they showed us the little studio. We all sat down and we put on like the wireless headsets and Cliffy B. And I know he doesn't like being called that, but I still call him Cliffy B. It's all like your mama call you Cliffy B. I'm going to call you Cliffy B. Uh, but anyway, is that seeing that and seeing the final product for Gears of War, like the massive change for it, like you just have to go into mind that this is a demo. This is they're showing you their engine like this is how it can operate. This is how it can be. This is how it possibly will be like. Just get that idea into your head. But all these thick skulled people can't get into their heads that this is not final product whatsoever. This is what could be or might be for But obviously, we're going to make it pretty for you because we want to make it appealing to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like going back to that situation as a whole is if you're the developer, you're kind of in a glass boat surrounded by rocks. You know, if you push the game back, you're going to break part of your boat and you're going to sink. If you push the game out broken, you're going to crack part of your boat and you're going to sink. The best thing that you can do is try to maneuver through it in a way where your boat doesn't get broken, and that's almost impossible in a lot of cases. Now, 
I'm not going to say that that gamers are the problem because no, it's not true. Not completely. Some small subsets of gamers are the problem. And I get being passionate about games. I do. Okay. I love games. I love certain specific franchises. I'm not. And I know this term is going to piss some people off and I apologize, but I'm not a fanboy for certain franchises. Okay. I love King of Fighters, but I'm willing to sit down and say that certain King of Fighters games aren't great. I love some parts of Resident Evil, but I'm willing to admit that more often than not, the franchise produces mediocrity or outright crap. It's, you can't love something unconditionally. And those people are never going to go away. Those people are always going to latch onto something and make the developer's life and make reporters' lives living hell. We as a community need to step up and say, this is not acceptable. Period. Exactly. We need to minimize those voices and shut down those voices. You can't you can't let your passion turn you to a situation where you're threatening a person just because they're accessible. You can't badger this person or make this person's life shit. We either have to accept that the games come out broken, which isn't ideal, or accept that games need to be pushed back, which is better. If we can get to that point, that's a start. But then it's okay. Maybe it's about time somebody needs to go to Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft and say, listen, I know that some parts of your certification process are built on old tech and you can't fix it and it's fucked up and that's fine, but maybe some other parts of this need to be fixed. It's a small part of the process, to be fair, and it's only going to fix so much, but it'll reduce some of the day one patch mentality at the very least if we get these companies to say, you know what, we need to fix our process to make this better for the people on the other end and get it to a point where these games are functional and they are where they need to be without it having to be a three-month process where you're getting something approved and it works and it's great and you're gold- making that specific version of the game gold, but then you're like, fuck, okay, it it still doesn't do everything we wanted to do. Well, let's just work on a patch until literally the night before and then just shove that patch out the fucking door and hope for the best. It's kind of like doing your homework at the last minute, really. Exactly, exactly. It's, I'm turning in this concept for what I want to write, I'm showing you an outline for it, and then, okay, you've approved the outline, but fuck, I have no idea where to go from there. You know, the outline's good, but and I can't change that outline, but I can pack as much as I can into that outline. So, you know, I kept submitting the outline until the outline was good and you said, yes, this is fine. Now what? And it's, it's, we need to get to a point where there's more leeway for the developer to get their stuff certified and not have to certify it one month, two months, three months in advance so that they can make sure that they're ready to go for launch day, as well as reducing that reliance on the idea that launch day is a must, that we must hit this launch goal, that we can't not hit this launch goal, that it's okay to push a launch date back, and that gamers will accept that it's okay and not have it be a problem. Um, Sony and Microsoft, more so Microsoft that I'm aware of, but I believe Sony does this to a certain extent too, will also require financial compensation from developers, I think beyond the first patch that they released. You know, sort of the first hits free, but after that you got to pay kind of mentality. Where if you have to patch your game four, five, six, seven times, they demand compensation each time you have to push a new patch out. And it's, on one hand, I can sympathize with that idea because it forces some developers to get their game to a point where it's functional 
when it needs to be functional and to minimize the amount of patches that they push. But by the alternative comparison, it it also does penalize people for doing things like balancing games. So if you want to balance a fighting game each time people are talking about the fact that the game doesn't work as intended, you have to pay a fee. If they want to rebalance Overwatch on the console, they got to pay every time that they rebalance it. If they want to push out an update that gives you new stuff, they got to pay in order to do that. And it's there's a point where that also impedes the ability to do certain things that might be good. So it's I, I don't know if that's the solution either. Well, like you said also, is that the developers and the studios really have to kind of come to a little bit of an agreement as far as this is concerned, is that don't, like, jump down our throats and say, like, oh, well, we need it by November the 9th, you know, and then push it out, and then you're kind of pressured to put this crap out, and then, of course, you know, there may be a glitch, like, minor glitch here, minor glitch there, and then you send it out, but then if you try to rebalance something again, that kind of, like, sucks, that you have to pay to play, effectively, as far as that's concerned, and that's why these studios are doing this downloadable content that are effectively patches and just redoing this, and it's like, oh, we changed, you, we added costumes into it which is, like, in my opinion, bullshit as well, because if I'm going to buy a game, I want to buy a game for keeps. I don't want to buy a game that I have to keep on, like, updating, so to say. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. It's It really needs to be a case where there's a balance. Like, I don't necessarily want there to be patches all the time, and, you know, shit happens, and I get that shit happens. But by the same token, it... Like I said, it, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater because we're getting to the point where developers are starting to offer good patches. The specific problem that comes up is you're punishing developers for doing good things as well as bad things. Like, again, Blizzard just pushed out Anya not too long ago into Overwatch as a free character to players who had purchased the game, which is a patch, which is going to require money to be spent. And then they're doing some type of hype thing, which may or may not have something to do with the character Sombra. Nobody really knows, but that's going to be another patch. And it's going to be free for gamers. And it's going to be extra content. And that's going to be great. And it's going to be fucking punishing them. Because they're going to have to pay money to whoever to get that pushed out onto the console market. And it's kind of a case where balancing patches and beneficial product patches should probably be excluded from the expense if we're going to have an expense at all but it's kind of a case where that just isn't the best situation even though you can sort of rationalize why it might be good to penalize a developer who has to fix their game five six seven times because they're pushing out shitty incremental patches instead of making sure their game works from jump well, this is also the, my optimistic idea on for, as far as this is concerned. This is my optimistic, like overly utopian idea, and this is beneficial on all ends. Is that I would not mind paying more money for a complete game out of the box and it be pushed back, whatever you give me a, a time window of we're going to release this in 2018 and then pretty much go from there and then deal with like little maybe like bullshit games every so often like here and there from different studios not pushing them out as much and that's where kind of like the money would drop off I guess but again overly utopian idea getting back on track of that I'd rather pay $90 for a complete game and it come out on time and it come out good 
versus having to pay $60 for said game. And then all of a sudden I have to buy another $60 worth of patches because, or not patches, but of DLC and whatnot, because they can't fix, A, they can't fix stuff right out of the gate. B, they want to add more stuff into it, but they want to make the most money off of it as fast as possible. But again, that's never going to happen because everybody wants to put, everybody wants something yesterday. Everybody wants the new Legend of Zelda tomorrow. Like, I know I want the new Legend of Zelda tomorrow, but realistically, it's not going to come out tomorrow. But, like, n- nobody scalds Nintendo for, like, pushing stuff back, except for in this that particular instance. But that's something for another show. Um, but nobody scalds these other bigger developers like Blizzard or stuff like that because of that. And, uh, again, that's what I think we should go for as the community, but it will never happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of tempting to just say maybe we should just accept that this is the way that it's going to be going forward and ultimately just deal with it and move on with our days. Though, I don't know if that's a great solution either. I guess it's there has to be a certain amount of correction on the side of the console manufacturers because of the policies that they're putting into place and the way that they're choosing to certify games and the way that they're choosing to push publishers and developers into a set mind frame and a set style and a set way of doing things is causing this issue and that's going to have negative impact like what if you don't have internet available right at that moment what if you don't have internet available at all you know and it's what if you have a cap on your bandwidth and they're asking you to use 10 20 50 percent of your cap to download this patch for this game it's it's not a great solution. It's going to negatively impact people until we get to a point where internet is considered to be a mandatory thing for everybody and it works consistently for everyone unilaterally and that'll be sometime in like 2050. So it's it's it's, it's not a situation that we need we can ignore. It's not a situation we can ignore because it's negatively impacting players, it's negatively impacting the people who would pay money for your product, and if you're telling them, well, you just have to bend over and grit your teeth, fuck you, that's not acceptable. But by the same token, we also have to accept that there's going to be a certain amount of it. There's going to be things that happen that they don't discover until the end. I feel like the best possible solution is that Day one patches need to be the exception and not the norm. They need to be a thing that does happen, but not for practically every game that you buy. And they absolutely need to be helped in this process by console creators making it easier for people to certify their games so that they don't have to do these and still make some kind of a release window or push their game back because they couldn't get a certification date and get fucked up by marketing and everything else just because Microsoft couldn't fit them in until like a month after their game was scheduled to come out. It's not reasonable and it's not fair. And I also feel like developers need to kind of stop using the day one patch as a band-aid because we can clearly see that there are developers who are looking at the idea of it pushing a game out and fixing it after it's launched as a thing that they should just be allowed to do by divine right, and that they should be able to expect that gamers will just accept that their broken-ass games are coming out, and that that's okay, and we'll just wait that month until your game works because you've patched it enough. It's gamers 
need to come to an understanding with developers and with gaming hosts where all developers are working in the best interests of making the best game possible and we don't have this larger group of big money developers pushing games out the door in shit condition such that it's ultimately hurting smaller developers who need that day one patch process in order to survive. I agree. I mean, that's, uh, that's, is that so much to ask? I mean, but unfortunately, like you said, we get, not everything is perfect in this world, but of course now you have the people that are going to get pissed off because they're going to feel betrayed because we've gone or that they feel betrayed because they said that this was supposed to be released on this date and so on and so forth. No, if anything, once we once you finally get the product done and then you're able to say, you know what, we are happy with this, this works on our certification, like you said, then push it out. And it's that when it should be released is my grand scheme. And if it doesn't happen, like you said, the community really has to not stand for these low standards is the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I... I kind of feel like, as is often the case, we've sort of reached a certain degree of impasse here with the conversation topic, unfortunately. There's there's going to be a certain amount of we have to accept things as they are. There's going to be a certain amount of we have to accept things in a different way. And it's, I don't know, hopefully there's a, a middle ground that we can reach. But for now, I think that we've kind of run the conversation topic to its natural course. Yes, I concur. So, uh, I do want to first off say thank you very much, Keith, for coming on to the podcast today. You are absolutely welcome back anytime. Thank you very, very much, Mark. I love, I like working with you, and I really like the show that you actually have. And thank you so, so much for actually having me on. Oh, not a problem at all. I'm, I'm happy to have you on again whenever you want to come on. I enjoy working with you as well, and I, I honestly feel like this was a pretty productive conversation. But um, don't forget... For those of you who have subscribed to the podcast already, thank you very much. For those of you who are coming in new, please be sure follow us on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash markbwriting, or on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, or Acast. Search for Neo Kobe Pizza, and you'll be able to find it there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at markbwriting, YouTube at markbwriting, Diehard Game Fan, or on Facebook at markbwritinghome, and you can follow Keith at wherever it is that he's got to follow you at. At the uh, at the gamer Keith on Twitter and at the gamer Keith on Facebook, and you can also find me on twitch.tv slash the gamer Keith as well. Alrighty, and don't forget, join us again uh, when next week's topic will be: How in the hell does Mario even have a driver's license? But on behalf of the gamer Keith, this is Mark B saying, stay safe out there, junkers. <laughs>